0: Bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratz. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these big signals and messages. he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today's Tuesday, February 12, 2013. I begin this week's podcast with an update on the tax expenditures, tax reform talks, and the upcoming sequester, as well as a related economic outlook published by the Congressional Budget Office. I will also discuss a couple of reports released recently that examine tax credit programs in the context of smart growth principles. In this week's Historic Tax Credit section, I'll discuss President Obama's nominee for Interior Secretary, as well as I have a state-level update from Missouri. Turning to our Low Income Housing Tax Credit segment, I'll share news from the IRS, which last week released new guidance related to providing housing for victims of Hurricane or Superstorm Sandy. I will then review the guidance planned this year by the Treasury Department related to the Low Income Housing Tax Credit. I'll close this week's housing tax credit discussion with a description of a bill introduced to in Mississippi that would change the way property taxes are determined for affordable housing properties. In our New Markets Tax Credit section, I'll mention an upcoming listing session that the CDFI Fund will hold where topics related to the New Market Tax Credit will be discussed. I'll also review the recertification guidelines issued recently for Community Development Financial Institutions, or CDFIs. And finally, in our Renewable Energy Discussion, I'll talk about the second phase of the Qualifying Advanced Energy Project Program under Section 48 CAP-C. This is a section that provides tax credits for investments in manufacturing facilities for clean energy technologies. And in another state-level update, I'll review several pieces of legislation that have been introduced in Hawaii that would make changes to the state's renewable energy tax credits. So if you're ready, let's get started. In general news... On February 1st, the Joint Committee on Taxation published updated estimates of the size of federal tax expenditures. Last week, I posted a list of the largest tax expenditures based on these updated estimates. I posted them on my blog at novogradic.wordpress.com. The largest tax expenditures include the exclusion for employer-paid health insurance. This is estimated to cost $760 billion over five years. And the exclusion for retirement savings, such as pensions and IRAs, is estimated to cost about $714 billion over five years. Now, compared to these large tax expenditures, the low-income housing tax credit, historic tax credit, and new market tax credit are relatively inexpensive tax expenditures. For instance, the low-income housing tax credit is estimated to cost only $36 billion over the next five years. The new market tax credit, about $5 billion, and the historic tax credit, roughly $5 billion. Now, of note, as a highlight in my blog, the home mortgage interest tax expenditure is estimated to cost $379 billion. This is more than 10 times the cost of the tax credit for affordable rental housing. Now, to read more about the disparity between tax expenditures for rental housing and home ownership, I encourage you to read my guest post on the Affordable Housing Tax Code Coalition's blog later this week. As I've noted many times, the role and cost of tax expenditures will be an important aspect of tax reform, which continues to make progress in Congress. We may not get to completion, but it's certainly making progress. The largest tax expenditures in the tax code will certainly be targets of scrutiny during this process of reforming the tax code, as lawmakers look for ways to lower rates by broadening the base, for example, the Ways and Means Committee is holding a hearing this week to examine the itemized deduction for charitable contributions as part of the committee's work on comprehensive tax reform. This hearing is scheduled for Thursday, February 14th. In announcing this hearing, Chairman Camp said, and I quote, "Because of the critical role that charities play, the committee must hear directly from the charitable community before." considering any proposals as part of comprehensive tax reform that might impact their ability to obtain the resources they need to fulfill their missions. Proposals to limit various tax deductions have grown more common in recent years, often as part of reform proposals or efforts to close the deficit. Examples of some proposed restrictions include limiting the tax rate at which charitable deductions may be taken or an overall total cap on itemized deductions. And, in related news, reports indicate that today Ways and Means Republicans are expected to meet in a Ways and Means Republican Committee retreat on tax reform strategies. There's also discussions of forming bipartisan working groups with two Republicans for every one Democrat to address particular areas of tax reform. We'll also report more as we hear more about this Ways and Means Committee retreat. Meanwhile, the threat of sequestration continues to loom on the horizon. Last week, President Obama made a public statement calling on Congress to pa- quickly pass a new package of limited spending cuts and tax increases to head off across the board cuts that are slated to begin on March 1st. The President's call for more revenue was largely dismissed by Republicans, who called instead for the domestic spending cuts. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus released a statement the same day, noting the importance of these issues as they relate to tax reform, something we've talked about a lot in the course of the last few weeks, months, and years now on this podcast. Chairman Baucus said, quote, When it comes to tax reform, we must avoid the urge for the quick fix. We're not going to have multiple bites at this apple. I want to assure that when we do tax reform, we do it right. Close quote. Now let's turn to the Congressional Budget Office. Last week, the Congressional Budget Office released an updated economic outlook estimate for fiscal years twenty thirteen to twenty twenty three. In that report, CBO projects that the federal deficit will drop to eight hundred forty five billion dollars in twenty thirteen, its smallest size since two thousand eight. The report also describes a number of key budgetary decisions lawmakers face this year and analyzes their substantial effects on the at budget outlook. Those budgetary decisions include sequestration, federal appropriations, the debt ceiling, and others. You can read more about the CBO analysis online at www.cbo.gov. Now let's turn to sustainable communities. Several groups have put out reports recently addressing sustainable communities and smart growth. In January, Smart Growth America published a report entitled Federal Involvement in Real Estate, a Call for Examination. The report addressed the federal government's involvement and investment in real estate through loans and loan guarantees, tax expenditures, and direct grants and credit subsidies. It found that each year the federal government spends approximately $450 billion dollars on such subsidies. Part of that expenditure was through the New Market Tax Credit, Historic Tax Credit, and the Low Income Housing Tax Credit. The report said that between fiscal years 2007 and 2011, Treasury spent $29 billion in Low Income Housing Tax Credits, and even that they didn't really spend it. They had reduced tax revenues. But they also reported $2.8 billion in Historic and Non-Historic Tax Credits and $3 billion in New markets Tax Credits. Now, in conjunction with the study, Smart Growth America is highlighting some of the real estate-related programs on its blog. It started with a discussion of the new market tax credit on January 31st, and on February 7th, the blog discussed qualified energy conservation bonds. Now, you can find more about the report, and you can find the blog online at www.smartgrowthamerica.org. Also, last week, the Environmental Protection Agency released a report that address smart growth. Its report is titled Creating Equitable, Healthy, and Sustainable Communities, Strategies for Advancing Smart Growth, Environmental Justice, and Equitable Development. This report offers seven strategies for creating sustainable communities. Several tax credit programs can be used to support these strategies. The EPA said that providing housing choices, including affordable housing, Helped create strong communities. The report suggested using the low income housing tax credit to preserve existing housing as well as create new units. The report suggested using new market tax credits to provide access to healthy food and other retailers. It also suggested getting historic buildings certified so they could qualify for historic tax credits. The report also highlighted several communities that use the low income housing tax credits, historic tax credits, and new market tax credits to create sustainable communities. DPA's report can be found online at www.taxcredithousing.com. Simply go to the Reports and Research page. Also, I wanted to note that tomorrow, Wednesday, February 13th, the Senate Finance Committee is scheduled to hold a hearing on the nomination of Jack Lew to be the next Treasury Secretary of the United States. Also, today at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, President Barack Obama will give his State of the Union Address. We'll be interested to see how often he refers to taxes or tax reform and to what extent he refers to comprehensive tax reform as opposed to separately addressing individual tax reform and corporate tax reform. We'll also be looking at the Republican response given by Senator Marco Rubio from the state of Florida and how often he mentions taxes and tax reform and comprehensive tax reform in his Republican response to the President's Senate Union address. We'll report more next week on the impact both speeches are likely to have in the coming weeks and months ahead in the areas of community development, renewable energy, and affordable housing. In historic tax credit news, last week President Obama announced that he has chosen Sally Jewell to be the next Secretary of the Interior, subject, of course, to confirmation by the United States Senate. For the past eight years, Ms. Jewell has been the CEO of REI, one of America's most successful and environmentally conscious retailers. Previously, she had worked in oil fields in Oklahoma and Colorado and as an energy expert in banking. The president also used the occasion to thank Ken Salazar, who has served as Secretary of the Interior for President Obama's first term. Secretary Salazar is set to step down from his role at the end of this month. Now turning to a state-level update, The Missouri Senate's Appropriation Committee held a meeting to discuss the state's tax credit programs. State tax credits have been a hot topic in Missouri for the past several years, as some lawmakers have proposed decreasing or eliminating some programs, such as the state's historic tax credit, this for budgetary reasons. Missouri currently has 61 tax credit programs that are expected to cost the state approximately $600 to $650 million this fiscal year. Several bills approved by the Senate last week would renew and extend some of the state's tax credit programs, including the Residential Dwelling Accessibility Tax Credit, the Pregnancy Resource Center Tax Credit, and the Food Pantry Tax Credit. The committee is also expected to consider Governor Jay Nixon's proposed budget for 2014 and is required to approve a budget in time for it to take effect by July 1st. In other news, Governor Nixon has transferred the oversight of the state's tax credit programs from the Department of Economic Development to the Department of Revenue. And unless the legislature rejects the oversight transfer, the change takes effect August 28th. In localizing tax credit news, the IRS last week suspended certain requirements for qualified residential owner projects that are financed with tax and bonds if they're providing emergency housing for victims of Hurricane Sandy. IRS Notice 2013-9 temporarily suspends income limitations and non-transit use requirements for such properties. The IRS says that Notice 2013-9 complements Notice 2012-68, which provided relief from certain requirements for residential rental projects financed with low-income housing tax credits. Now, if you're considering using this rule... I encourage you to talk to Jim Kroger in our San Francisco office or Thomas Stagg in our Bellevue Washington office. There are a number of issues related to moving in tenants to such properties if those tenants don't otherwise meet the income limitations or non-transit use requirements. The U.S. Treasury Department, I would like to note, last week released an updated 2012-2013 Priority Guidance Plan. The updated plan includes projects that Treasury added to the plan, based on provisions in the American Taxpayer Relief Act, and that became priorities between November 20th and December 31st, 2012. In this second quarter update, Treasury reaffirmed its commitment to several loganizing tax credit-related objectives. Treasury plans to address the following. First... Provide guidance under Section forty two related to the application of design and construction accessibility requirements under the Fair Housing Act. Next, address regulations under Section forty two relating to compliance monitoring, including issues related to physical inspections and building reviews, to issue a revenue procedure that updates Revproc two thousand seven fifty four that provides relief under Section 42 in the case of a presidentially-declared disaster area. And fourth, to provide guidance concerning exceptions to the 10-year rule for any federally or state-assisted building. Now, I should note that the plan represents projects that Treasury intends to address during this time, but it doesn't place a deadline on completing the projects, though they generally make a strong effort to complete them by the end of June. Treasury said that it may update and republish the plan again this year so that it can adjust its priorities to reflect recent developments. Treasury has also invited the public to comment on the plan throughout the year. Next, I'd like to turn to the state of Mississippi. In state affordable housing news, Mississippi State Representative Jeffrey Smith introduced a bill that would revise how affordable rental housing is valued for the purposes of ad valorem taxes or property taxes. HB 835 proposes to make 65% of an affordable housing property's true value exempt from ad valorem tax, such that the actual portion included in determining one's ad valorem tax or property taxes would be 35% of the true value. The bill listed certain factors that should be considered in determining a property's true value, such as hard construction costs, land costs, and in the case of rehabilitation's acquisition costs. The legislation says that a true value of a property is not what it might bring during a forced sale, but what the owner would be willing to accept. The proposal would require affordable housing owners to submit a copy of the independent cost certification to the county every year, and the Department of Revenue would conduct annual assessment ratio studies of each county. If a county's assessment records didn't comply with acceptable performance standards, it would be required to present a plan to the department for achieving compliance, and then would have to implement the plan by the following year. This bill was referred to the House Ways and Means Committee on January 21st, and you can read more about the bill at www.taxcredithousing.com. In new market Task credit news, next week the CDI Fund, in collaboration with the Internal Revenue Service, is scheduled to convene the third in a series of listening sessions with industry practitioners in response to specific issues related to the new market Task credit program. The issues to be discussed at the listing session were raised in response to a request for public comments published in the November 7th Federal Register, as well as advance notice of proposed rulemaking published on June 7th, 2011. The three major areas of topics are expected to be transaction costs, CDE fees, and Treasury guidance in the areas of lines of credit and control of collect by CDEs. This third listing session is scheduled for February 20th. And it's open to invited attendees only. Also, last week the CDFI Fund announced that all CDFIs originally or most recently certified before February 1, 2010, must apply for recertification. The deadline to do so is before midnight Eastern Time on April 1st. The recertification requirement also applies to CDFIs currently submitting an application under fiscal year 2013 rounds of either the CDFI program or Native American CDFI Assistance Program, as well as applicants to these programs that haven't been certified but need certification for an award. CDFI certified after February 1st, 2010 would not be required to reapply by April 1st, but they will be required to apply for recertification no later than 60 days after their three-year certification expires. Additionally, The CDFI Fund says that any application submitted after February 4, 2013 must use the 2006-2010 American Community Survey data instead of the 2000 decennial census data that was previously used. You can find the certification application and further details at www.cdfifund.gov. And if you have any questions or need any assistance in this application process, I encourage you to contact Diana Letzinger. In our Long Beach, California office. Turning to QEI issuances, the CFI Fund recently reported that for the month of January, CDEs issued $248 million in additional QEIs. That leaves the amount of remaining uncommitted new market tax allocation at less than $2 billion, $1.91 billion to be exact. Now, this is the amount before the upcoming allocation round. And as we also know, of that $1.91 million that's technically uncommitted, substantially all of it has been soft-circled for specific transactions. I'd also like to note that the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund, CDFI Fund, is holding its next meeting of the Community Development Advisory Board on Wednesday, February 27th, from 9 to 3.30 p.m., The Advisory Board meeting will be held in the Cash Room at the U.S. Department of the Treasury, located at 1500 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, This room accommodates up to 50 members of the public, and seats are available on a first-come, first-served basis. Since the meeting is held in a secured federal building, members of the public who want to attend must contact the CDFI Fund's office by February 20, 2013. Now, the first 50 individuals who submit notifications of intent will receive a link to a secure registration system. Now, the CDFI Fund wants you to know that participation in the discussions at the meeting will be limited to advisory board members, Treasury staff, and invited guests. Now, the function of the advisory board is to advise the director of the CDFI Fund on the policies regarding the activities of the CDFI Fund. The advisory board does not advises City of FIFA on the granting or denial of any particular application for monetary and non monetary awards. We'll report more on this upcoming meeting in next week's Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. In renewable energy tax credit news, last week the Energy and Treasury Departments announced the availability of one hundred and fifty million dollars in advanced energy manufacturing tax credits for clean energy and energy efficiency manufacturing projects. Listeners may recall that the Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit was established by the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, ARA, to support investment in domestic clean energy and energy efficiency manufacturing facilities. In the first round of the program, $2.3 billion in 30% investment tax credits were competitively awarded to 183 projects across the country. However, some of these credits haven't been used. As a consequence, This $150 million in tax credits is being made available because such credits haven't been used by previous awardees. These remaining tax credits will be allocated on a competitive basis, and projects will be assessed by the Energy Department based on the following criteria. Commercial viability, domestic job creation, technological innovation, speed to project completion, and the potential for reducing air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions. The Energy Department says it will consider additional factors, including diversity of geography, technology, project size, and regional economic development. Details are available in Notice 2013-12, which can be found online at www.energytaxcredits.com. And if you have questions about the program or applying, please contact one of my partners. You might want to call Stephen Tracy in our San Francisco office or Tony, Tony Griponi in our Boston, Massachusetts office. And I'll close this section, talking about the state of Hawaii. Less than a month after opening its new legislative session, the Hawaii State Legislature already has several renewable energy tax credit bills on the table. For example, HB 967 would set a flat 50% credit rate for wind facilities and certain solar projects. By contrast, other bills have been introduced that would gradually adjust the tax credit rate or yearly aggregate cap over time. For example, HB 1408 outlines certification requirements and will gradually increase the annual cap for solar and wind through 2016. Another bill, HB 497, makes a distinction between utility-scale and non-utility-scale solar facilities. HB 756 proposes a similar distinction, however it has different credit rates and phase-outs. You can find copies of these bills at www.energytaxcredits.com. And if you have thoughts on which of these bills are more likely to become law, feel free to send us an email at cpas at novaco.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogradic & Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at wwwnovococom forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogradic & Company, LLP, is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www dot Novaco dot com.